The reading for tonight is taken from Ephesians chapter 5 from verses 21 to 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And please would you keep uh, your Bible open to Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 to 33 and let's pray together now. Father thank you so much for your word the Bible and thank you it's deeply practical. We pray you might be our teacher tonight and help us to be obedient learners. We pray for Jesus sake. Amen. Well, we're learning this evening about one of the most wonderful and enjoyable things in the whole of God's creation. We're going to be learning and seeing something that is deep and profound and a reflection of the very character of God. It is, I believe, one of the, uh, <clears throat> one of the best things in the whole of the universe. The trouble is, Uh, In today's society, it is certain that there will be some folks who will disagree and disagree really quite strongly with what I'm about to say. And there will be probably a slightly larger group of people uh, who will find it really quite uh, uncomfortable, uh, what I'm about to say. But all I want to do is just simply uh, to do my best this evening to explain this next part of the Bible as we uh, go through this book of Ephesians. Um, I've said these things before, for instance, at at weddings, and whenever I have, there will always be some people there who uh, sit back and fold their arms or uh, just look down and uh, grin to themselves or uh, even an audible as they listen uh, and uh, in some cases profoundly disagree with uh, with what I say, Um, because this is we're thinking about marriage. And what we're going to be seeing tonight is it's not the way the world around us thinks about 
marriage. Uh, many say it's not necessary. I mean, you can't you can't get married at the moment in the UK, can you? And I don't, haven't detected a great nationwide revolt against this. We're saying, well, okay, um, then we'll we'll have to wait. We'll put it off a year or, or whatever, which is often very difficult for those who are really looking forward to to getting married over these coming weeks and months. Then also there is the uh, uh, the thing at the moment about the, the fact that we've redefined marriage. Uh, and so now uh, we, it seems that we're getting increasingly comfortable with gay marriage and uh, when we have a man referring to his husband or a wife to her wife and we're getting increasingly used to that and increasingly comfortable with that as a society. But the Bible says that a marriage, a Christian marriage, the way the Bible, the way that God defines it is it's a union of one man to one woman for life. And so that is very much at odds against with against the way that the world is is thinking uh, and behaving with respect to this whole area of marriage. Well, this evening, I want to uh, <coughs> just simply say this, that we're talking about marriage made in heaven, the way that God has ordained this institution of marriage. And I want to say one thing, in fact, just one word to wives, and that is submit. And one thing, one word to husbands, and that is love. And then three words to everyone, just briefly at the end. <clears throat> and this is relevant for everyone. It's relevant, uh, of course, if you're married. It's relevant, of course, if you're single, because you might get married sometime in the future. Uh, it's married for those. It's relevant for those who are uh, widowed or divorced. It's relevant for those who are straight. Okay, in fact, it's relevant for everyone because we'll want to support those who are married, and it's really important that we understand as Christian people what this thing marriage is that God has ordained, this institution that God has created for our good, for our benefit. Um, so uh, we're thinking about marriage made in heaven and right at the beginning of our passage it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and that really sums up the first 20 verses of Ephesians chapter 5 and it introduces the next chunk which includes what we're uh, thinking about this evening and this whole submission thing it's not only talking about Christian marriage that's the first thing he goes on to talk about but then in chapter 6 Paul talks about relationships between parents and children and submission thing is there as well and then he goes on to talk about relationships between uh, slaves and their masters which the modern parallel most people would say is thinking about employers and employees and there is uh, this word submit comes there as well so uh, he's really introducing this whole area of those three areas and the, uh, the thing of submitting there. But it's not saying that everyone should, should submit to everyone, because that clearly just wouldn't work. We can't have a society, have a world, have a, a family where everyone is just completely submitted to everyone else in, uh, in that way of thinking. So uh, let's see how that actually works out in practice in Christian marriage or any marriage. <clears throat> but marriage as God has ordained it. So the first thing, one word to wives, submit. 
Now, let me tell you um, a story I came across this week about uh, uh, a man who was taking the overnight sleeper from Euston up to Fort William in Scotland. And when he got it to his, uh, the, the room that he was sleeping in the compartment, he, he found there was a, a woman there. And it was slightly awkward. There were just the two of them there. But they, they agreed that, uh, uh, that he would sleep in the top bunk and she would sleep in the bottom bunk. And uh, they'd just make the most of a, a slightly awkward situation. And then after about 10 minutes, he, he just leaned over and he said, uh, um, I'm, I'm really sorry, but do you think you could uh, pass me a blanket? Uh, and uh, she replied, I've got a better idea. Uh, why don't we just for tonight, let's just pretend that we're married. And he was rather taken aback, slightly surprised by this. And he said, uh, um, yeah, yeah, OK, uh, all right, OK, uh, good, she replied. Get your own blanket. Now, that, that's hardly submission, is it? That's not what we're talking about now. It might be realistic, uh, but it's not submission. So, so let's go through this and understand what this means when it says uh, wives submit. So verse 22, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. That's in verse 22 there. Now, submit comes 40 times in the New Testament, the word to submit. And it always means to live your life under someone else's authority. That's what that word means. So let's be clear. Actually, there are seven things I want to say, but I'm going to rattle through them pretty quickly. The first thing is just simply to say this, that we're talking about wives and not more generally women. So uh, the Jewish historian uh, Josephus, um, and uh, he, he said that uh, women are inferior to men and therefore all women should be obedient and submit to all men. Now, this is not what we're finding here in the Bible. It isn't saying that. It's not saying uh, women obey. And actually, the Bible never tells wives to obey either. It's the word is submit and not uh, obey. It's a different area. It's a different thing. It's interesting that the old Church of England marriage service uh, has that, that uh, the wife would, uh, um, in her vows, would um, vow to obey her husband. But the word is actually submit here. Anyway, so we're talking about wives, not women. So we're talking about marriages and not life in general. The second thing is to say that this is revolutionary and good. The trouble is, this, this whole area, it, has, it does have this thing, doesn't have this feel about it in our society. That people think that, they read this and they think, oh, this is bad for all women. And it's very bad for wives. No, actually, in the first instance, when uh, if you were in the church in Ephesus and you were reading this or having it read to you in the first instance, you'd have thought, this is just completely new. And this is revolutionary. And actually, I like this. This is good. This is very good. In those days, uh, the Jewish form of morning prayer, for instance, had the man thanking God that he was not a, a Gentile, that he was not a slave, and he was not a woman. The Jewish folks in those days would, uh, would think that women were, were the things rather than people. So to actually being in this passage here, for husbands being told to love their wives, this is absolutely revolutionary. But those Jewish people, in the Greek world, it was, it was even worse. If you were married and in the Greek world, then uh, you would be in an even worse position because the Greek husband would expect his wife to run the home and to bear his children and to bring them up but she would not be someone who he would have a, a, any other relationship with than when he wanted to have sex with her to, uh, to bear for her to bear children uh, he would find his companionship he would find his friendship outside of the home 
So there's hardly anything in terms of what you might call the home life that we have and enjoy today. Uh, in fact, in the Greek wor- uh, world, the woman uh, was referred to as, uh, in the Greek, an imbecilitas, imbecile. So, so to hear uh, uh, in, the, in the Bible here, in this letter from Paul, he's saying to husbands to love your wives, that's a whole new world. This is terrific. This is, this is, this is a, a huge improvement. It's revolutionary and it's really, really good. No, no one had ever heard this kind of teaching before. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for wives and it's a good thing for women and it still is. Third thing to say, it's a duty and not a right. It's a duty and not a right. So what I mean is this, that when it says husbands love your wives, it is not the right of a wife to say to her husband, you must love me, nor it is, nor is it the right of a husband to say to his wife, you must submit to me, but rather it is the duty of a wife to submit to a husband, it is the duty of a husband to love his wife. Fourth thing, equality and dignity. Now, a lot of people immediately think uh, of a wife submitting to a husband that it's demeaning, that it gives the impression of the husband being uh, superior and more important than the wife. And uh, so verse 22, and people read that and say, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And they think, how can that possibly be equality? Of course it's not. But actually, it is equal. Because uh, uh, there's no actual or implied superior, inferior relationship there. In fact, it's specifically saying we're talking about two people who are equal with each other. Different, yes. Different roles, yes. But equal. Wives are not inferior to their husbands. Wives are of equal worth, of equal value. Uh, There's a difference in role, yes, but there is no difference in value, there's no difference uh, in dignity. A lot of people struggle with it, but the the biblical teaching is just simply equality, but different roles. So, I'll say again, husbands and wives are equal in a marriage. Different roles, yes, but there's no difference in, in value, there's no difference in significance, there's no difference in rank. Uh, there is equality in a marriage. At the same time, the wife submitting is not something um, uh, <coughs> that she would only agree to if certain conditions are met. Uh, this is absolute, isn't it? Just as wives submit to your own husbands. So, so you wouldn't have a, a, a Christian wife saying, well, I will submit to you when you love me enough, or I will submit to you when you're kind enough to me. No, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. And and, uh, submission is not mindless. It's not just being a a doormat. Of course, there is is room within a marriage relationship for wives to offer different opinions, to disagree, and so on as well. So we're not not talking about a a complete doormat relationship at all, whatsoever. It's more an attitude than anything else. More an attitude that Christian wives would want to have towards their husbands. Uh, It's knowing that I will submit to my loving husband, more about the loving husband uh, bit in uh, in just a minute, Um, even though our whole culture is telling me that that's stupid and subservient. It's not subservient. It's not stupid. It's just seeing what the Bible says. And when you have this understanding of marriage, it works. 
when a Christian husband and wife put these things into practice. So wives, Christian wives, we want to submit, not only because it's in the Bible, but also because it's God-like, which is the fifth thing I want to say. God is like this. Now, God is Trinity, three persons in a perfect, loving relationship. Three persons of equal worth, all completely God, but with different roles. That doesn't make them anything any less God. It doesn't make one inferior or one superior to the other. So the other, the Trinity, the Trinitarian God that we believe in, three persons, one God, um, is a perfect relationship. Complementary, equal, ordered, loving, and with very different roles. And because God is our creator, and God has created marriage, marriage is in many ways a reflection of that, those relationships within the Trinity, which makes marriage really rather profound, doesn't it? And uh, going against what God has created and then redefining marriage, as if you could, uh, is actually something which is uh, a profound affront, not just against God's words, but against the very nature and essence of God. John Stotter said, submission is the humble recognition of the divine ordering of society. And we're going to come back to this, but you'll see there in verses 23 and 24 uh, that marriage is a picture of the church submitting to Christ. So uh, the fifth thing there, marriage is godlike. And then uh, number six is the reason, the reason. Look at verse 23. Now, this is terribly politically incorrect, isn't it? For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. People today, you know, you can just imagine that hairs on the back of the neck sitting up straight and people bristling against what the Bible says there. Try telling your friends this the next time we're allowed to go to the pub, okay? Wives, submit your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. People just don't like that, uh, do they at all? Um, But head here means leadership, it means a different role. They're equal, but it's talking about a different role within the marriage. It's gentle leadership. In this passage, there is no word of authority at all. Uh, The original words for authority aren't here in this passage. They're totally absent. And head does imply an order, yes, but never inequality. Different roles, absolute equality. That is the way God has organised things for the family, for the marriage. For the church as well. Christ, uh, the church has uh, a head in Christ, in Christ Jesus, our leader. And we submit to him knowing that he loves us and knowing that he's shown that love for us when he died on the cross for us. He loves us deeply and profoundly. And the wife has a head, her husband, who will love her as we will see. And she submits to him gladly because he will be, should be the man who loves her more than anyone else in the whole world. So uh, the reason um, <clears throat> that actually uh, we see here that the husband has a, this, this role within a marriage of being the head of the wife, the leader in a marriage. And then the seventh thing to say here is God still comes first. God still comes first. And uh, the Christian wife wouldn't submit to a husband who is uh, telling her to go against specific things that God has told her to do. So if a Christian wife was being told by a husband to uh, stop praying, for instance, 
and no praying ever and never read your Bible, um, then uh, she would want to um, debate that with him and, uh, uh, and gently talk that through and explain why she really wanted to do that. Um, or if he was sexually demanding in, in some perverse kind of way. Uh, it's, this isn't saying that the wife would have to submit to that either. So uh, we're not talking about uh, if there are things which are clearly going against what God uh, says, then the wife does not have to submit in those areas. We've uh, obviously want to debate and sort and talk those things through uh, with uh, with husbands. Uh, otherwise, look at the end of verse 24. Uh, now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything, in everything. Uh, so uh, we don't selfishly withhold uh, submission if we're wives. Uh, the principle is that we will submit. Um, of course, there are times when uh, that will be difficult. There'll be times when we're thinking, is this a reasonable thing to do? But the general principle is that that is what wives do. One word to wives, submit. And if you thought that was hard, let's see what husbands have to do. So one word to husbands, one word to wives, submit, one word to husbands, love. Now, in view of verses uh, 22 to 24, you might expect the one word to husbands to be rule, lead, dominate, exploit, use. But not a bit of it. No, the one word to husbands is this, love, love your wives. So uh, it's there in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. It's there in verse 28. Husbands ought to love their wives. Verse 33, at the end of the passage, the, uh, the uh, um, sorry, verse 33, however, each of you, that's husbands, must also love his wife as he loves himself. And we can see here, uh, I want to point out a couple of things. First is the standard of love. And it's huge. How are we to love our wives? Husbands, verse 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, husbands, love your wives sacrificially, laying down your life. Nothing's too much, nothing is too great in our love for our wives. And we do so willingly. Oh, some trivial examples. Adapting, for instance, our, uh, our sporting commitments. Uh, spending time with our wives. Helping more with the children. Watching the TV you, your wife wants to watch. Uh, going for a, a walk where your wife would want to go, for instance, in these times of lockdown and so on. How could you love your wife more this week? How could you do that? What practical things could you do to love your wife more this week? And the standard is huge. The standard is Christ's love for us, Christ's sacrificial love for us. Well, actually, there are two standards. One is Christ's standard, and the other standard he talks about here is your own body, in verses 28 and 29, and then verse 33. Again, verse 33, each of you, husbands, also must love his wife as he loves himself. Um, uh, Still, we... Uh, 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 there is a, a really good book. Uh, here it is. It's Gary Chapman's book, which uh, we uh, often give to um, married or couples who are preparing for marriage. Um, but uh, any, anyone who's married, it's a great book. Five Love Languages. And uh, Gary Chapman's theory is this. 
Uh, we all have ways, preferences, about the way we like to give and receive love. Uh, and he says there are five of these, just five. Uh, and they are a touch, words of affection, gifts, time and actions. And if your preferred way of giving love to, to your wife is not the same as her preferred way of receiving love, then there is a bit of a, a disjoint here. And you probably need to talk about it. Uh, so a, a little example. Um, if your wife loves words of affection and touch, but you as her husband prefer to show your love by gifts and actions, doing stuff like the washing up and the ironing and taking a cup of tea and so on, um, then the result could well be that she doesn't think you love her very much. And you don't think she is really... Uh, 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 thanking you very much for uh, for your great efforts to show your love for her. You, you feel she doesn't really appreciate that very much. You need to talk. Love your wife and work out between you how best to do it. Uh, and of course, you can always get the book and read it. It's very helpful. And have a read and see how uh, lots of other examples of how that works out in practice. So the standard of love, uh, the aim of love... Look at verses 26 to 27 here. Um, uh, so verse 26, it talks about to make her, that's your wife, holy, cleansing her, or this is the church and your wife, a church is a picture, we'll come to that, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So what is his aim? Well, uh, we, why, does, why does Christ act in love towards the church? What is his aim for her? And uh, his aim is to make her holy. His aim is to cleanse her, the church, from her sin. His aim is to make the church radiant. His aim is to prepare her for the new heaven and the new earth. Now, these are spiritual things. Uh, the washing with water at the end of verse 26 there, uh, it's probably referring to baptism. There's been some debate about that. The Ephesians knew about it, what it, what it meant. We're not so sure. doesn't matter too much. Um, uh, husbands, the key thing is here, we want to love our wives. And uh, if they're not Christians now, we want to pray our socks off so that they might become Christians. And, uh, and we want them to grow as Christians, to become holy, to become more like Jesus each day. And we want to help and encourage our wives and take a lead in that to do that. We've got to lo love our wives. And that means attending to their spiritual welfare. Make sure she can get to church. Make sure she can uh, hear perhaps this sermon. Um, if she's doing something with the children right now. Well, why not next week you look after the children, get them to bed, and so she can listen to this service, for instance. Uh, husbands, love your wives. And if your wife is having trouble submitting to you, why is that? I mean, could it be that you're not loving her as you should? Because actually, this, this combination of wives submitting and husbands loving is a great combination. It actually works. It actually works incredibly well. And if you want your wife, uh, if, if, if you're struggling with, with, and you think, oh, my wife's not being very submissive, then you need to love her more. 
more and more and more. And remember the standard of that love is Christ's self-sacrifice for us. So the standard of that love is actually we remember Jesus giving himself and we give ourselves as well uh, for our wives. It seems it works like this. The more you love, the more your wife will want to submit and therefore the more you'll want to love her and the more she'll want to submit and the more you'll want to love her and the more she'll want to submit and so on. It's a, it's a virtuous circle. And the starting point, guys, is for us to love our wives. That's the command. And that's what we've got to do. You want a great marriage? Love your wife. Love your wife. So one word for wives, submit. One word for husbands, love. And then just briefly, and now three words, three words for us all. It's a picture. It's a picture. So, verse 31. Uh, for this reason, this is the most quoted verse from the Old Testament and New Testament. It's Genesis 2.28. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And that's the leaving and the cleaving and the becoming one flesh. And, uh, uh, and when it's talking about cleaving, it's talking about gluing together. And it's like two sheets of paper being glued together. And of course, uh, when you glue two sheets of paper together, when you separate them, there's damage on both sides, isn't there? Uh, 120,000 divorces in the UK each year. Trying to unglue something which wasn't designed to be unglued. And when it happens, significant structural damage. Love, submit, stay together, work on the marriage if you possibly can, stay together. But you see, marriage here is a picture. It's a picture of, of Christ and the church. Uh, verse 32 here. Um, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Um, think of a wedding day. Uh, and a wedding day is, uh, uh, is very difficult for couples at the moment who are having to postpone weddings, isn't it? And uh, for those you know, do pray for them. It's really, really difficult. And the uncertainty, you know, you've got a wedding in August or September. Is it, are, we, are we going to be able to do this? Pray for couples. It's a big thing and has lots of repercussions uh, across uh, families, not just for the couples themselves. But imagine a wedding day. And the bride representing Christian people and uh, she arrives at the stars and everyone stands and it's often pretty emotional. And, uh, and I hope every Christian person in the building uh, at every wedding we have at BH is thinking Christ in the church. Christ in the church. It's a picture. It's a picture as the bride comes down the aisle. It's a picture of the, of the church coming to Jesus on that last day that we heard about last Sunday morning. Uh, it's a picture coming of the church, coming to meet her saviour on the last day, and then being changed in an instant to be, to be like him for the new heaven and the new earth. And when we look at Christian marriage, when you see a husband loving his wife, when you see a wife submitting to a husband, when you see the husband giving himself in, 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 in love and in self-sacrifice and in self-giving, I hope you think, that's just like Jesus dying for me. It's a little picture of Jesus dying for me. And when you see a wife willingly uh, submitting to a husband, loving her lead, that actually uh, you will 
think there that's actually how I need to respond to Jesus and that's a lovely picture of it and it helps me in my Christian walk so it's not just on the winning days but when you see a good marriage working of the love and the submission you think of Jesus and his church it's a great picture it's also a great mystery verse 32 says this is a profound mystery And marriage is a profound mystery. The Bible speaks of a profound change to the deep and profound level of your being when you get married. It takes place as you take the vows. And uh, and you become one. So you think of of couples, uh, and the names go together, don't they? Sometimes like Harry and Meghan, it's almost as if it's one word. Or uh, Tim and Claire, for instance, the Gages, it's one word. A profound mystery and a beautiful picture of Christ and his church. What have we got to do? support it don't disrupt it don't seek to change it and above all wives submit husbands love submit as the church submits to Christ and love as Christ loves the church let's pray Father please help us to do this uh, and help us to support this we pray Father you'd help husbands to love wives to submit and everyone to understand and support Christian marriages, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.